Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. Episode 69 of the Jersnet podcast. Yeah. Uh, we would encourage you to listen. Obviously, if you've heard us and you like what we're doing, get the word out there on social media and all the rest of it. Tell people that we're here. And we would encourage you to subscribe as well. Uh, the podcast is live tonight. We're uh, live uh, and unrestricted and unrehearsed on the YouTube. But the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow if you're not listening tonight. And you can get it on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, so we'll get right into it. A lot to get into this week's show. A big, big week uh, for Rangers this week, and an even bigger one coming up. It's just, it's just coming thick and fast at the moment. So we'll have a wee look at the, today's game against Hearts, a, a fairly routine victory. Uh, absolutely stuffed them without really getting out of second gear. Uh, we'll have a look back at a great night in, uh, fire, uh, in Rotterdam sorry, against Feyenoord on Thursday night. And a quick look at some of the stuff from the AGM as well and Dave King announcing that he's stepping down. And also we'll have a quick preview of Wednesday night's game at Aberdeen and of course the big one next week, the Betfred Cup final against the Mankey Mob at the shithole that is Hamden. Uh, we've only got one guest this week, uh, Stephen Clifford was due to be on with us but he failed a late fitness test and had to pull out. Uh, I hope he gets well soon. So we've got Graham tonight, how are you Graham? I'm pretty well. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, I, I was called today. When I, uh, were, you impre- were you impressed with my skills getting the, the, the YouTube stream up and running? You see oh, excellent. You're learning. I'm learning. Every day, every day is a skill day, as I say. So I'm quite chuffed. So how's your week been? What have you been up to? Uh, my week's been pretty quiet. Uh, leading up to Christmas, It's always there's always work. So you don't get out much. You don't get out to play much. Um, Thursday night was... Watching the Teddies? Yeah, well, I had uh, my wife was night shift on Thursday night and my boy had his training. So it meant picking him up at half seven, which gave me a conundrum. Do I watch the game and then leave to pick him up sort of halfway through the second half? Or do I go down the route of recording it and watching it as live by avoiding the score? So I opted for the second. So my neighbours must have thought I was shouting at the Celtic game the other night because I watched it between sort of 8 o'clock when the Celtic game was on uh, and I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed it we were a bit lucky in the first half but we'll, we'll talk about that later on uh, were you at Ibrox today then yeah? No I wasn't at Ibrox I'm, uh, no. I'm uh, unfortunately I'm disabled and I don't get to as many matches as I'd like to yeah, well, you, you wouldn't miss much in terms of the, the weather today to be honest with you Graham it was absolutely oh, the cold would have done oh, me <laughs> frozen absolutely frozen Uh Pretty day in Glasgow, though. I must admit, there was a lot of nice. Took a, took a few nice photographs today. I've stuck them up there on Twitter and got some good comments on them. Uh, but it was it was absolutely freezing. Uh, but regardless, let's get in about it. Uh, so yeah, Hearts today. You know, Celtic had won up at Dingwall earlier on the day. They'd won four one. Had obviously added to the had obviously got three points and also bumped up their goal difference a wee bit. So one in five now. 
very good in terms of getting in about that, you know, uh, helping the goal difference. In terms of the starting 11, Graham, uh, Ryan Jack left out the, the, the side, Ojo taken out from, he started on Thursday night, Arfield reintroduced and uh, Aribo, who I was a wee bit surprised when I, when I saw the team, I thought Arfield will be part of the front three probably on the right. Uh, but it was Aribo that was up there in Arfield, you know, sat in his midfield birthday. What did you make of the starting eleven today? And I thought it was a, I thought it was quite a strong lineup, to be honest with you. Uh, without Ryan Jack, even with without Ryan Jack, I thought it was pretty strong. Uh, it was interesting where he played Aribo, which is I think that's where you get the most value out of that laddie. I think he's much better, you know, just um, thirty yards away from their box and heading towards it. Yeah, and I must admit, I'm, I'm, I, I suppose it's a compliment to Ryan Jack, but I kind of get the fear now whenever he's not in the starting eleven, and I understand why Gerard sort of left him out. You know, he's he's obviously got that knee issue that he has to manage. There's big games coming up this week, obviously up the road at Petodre on Wednesday night, and we're at, we're at Hamden next week for the Celtic game for the Betfred Cup final. So I suppose Gerard has swollen. Has a uh, has squad quite significantly through the summer. He's got quite a big squad to choose from. I suppose this is when he manages it. But I think Ryan Jack's been so influential this season that when I never seen him in the starting lineup, I did get a bit of the fear. You worry a bit, right? Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a worrier though. You know what I mean? That's, 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 mm-hmm. I think as you, re- you reach middle age, that's what happens. Uh, uh, but but I, I think I the only I think the only surprise was Scott Arfield because Scott's not been, you know, he's he, towards the end of last season he was. He was quite dynamic, and he was he was producing late runs into the box, and he was supporting the strikers and stuff. But this season, it's not really been happening for him. And I understand that he's got some family issues that he's been having to deal with recently, so that would explain his lack of form. <clears throat> Excuse me, either that or the. But I hear he's also doing more training than he should. You know, there's a limit to how much training you can do because your recovery time extends further and further into the next few days. So maybe you should cut that out a bit and concentrate just on you know, his, his normal training regime. Um, but I thought, you know, it, and although we're going to come on to talk about it later, I thought when they brought him on against um, uh, Feyenoord and, and, Hall, and Rotterdam on Thursday night, that um, he did a lot of stuff that Ojo just couldn't do. Um, their left-back, uh, Malaysia, I think his name is, uh, was getting a lot of joy down that left-hand side. And when Scott Arfield came on, uh, that boy was, he was more or less null and void at that point and was, was having to do a lot more defending. Uh, he wasn't adding a hell of a lot. In t- uh, Arfield wasn't adding a hell of a lot in terms of the attack, but he was cutting off there, you know, where their threat was coming from. And then today, um, I thought he had a pretty decent game today. Um, first five, ten minutes, I think, uh, there was a few misplaced passes from just about everybody. But then, you know, from my position watching it on television, you could see that patches of the ground were, were extremely heavy. Um, Ibrox was normally like a bowling green, but uh, today it seemed that there was patches of ground that were that were quite heavy, and uh, the ball was catching up on them. Uh, so when they were playing, what they felt was the right weighted pass, it wasn't quite weighted enough, and it was it was slowing up in the turf. And that was just about the first five five ten minutes or so. But once they got to grips with it, the passing started to improve a bit halfway through the sec- uh, the first half, I think. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Arfield, I, I think a lot of people need to remember that, you know, it, it was it was let away towards the end of the last season. He missed the last game of the season because 
he was away with Canada in the summer. And if he didn't get away for that, he wasn't going to get a break at all. I think he only got like a week and a half or a two week break. So I think that's part of that. You know, I, I didn't know about his family issues, but that's maybe a reminder that you know football players are human beings, and you know sometimes there are outside influences you know affecting their performance. I, th- I think Absolutely. Jordan, I think Jordan Campbell made a really good point in Athletic. You know, by saying that Arfield isn't having the best season. And he doesn't look himself. However, when he's not there, I think you do notice it. You know what I mean? It's he's, he's sort of it's hard to explain what it is he's doing, but I, I I don't even know if it's just a reassuring presence. As you say, see when he came on on Thursday night, I felt instantly reassured. Ojo, again, I'm not going to go heavy on the boy, but there's times he does look like an academy player. His decision making is still yeah. very very ropey. Uh, sometimes his distribution's a bit a bit shaky, and he. That's obviously why he's up here. He's obviously up here to learn how to deal with playing with a big he's up, club. Yeah, he's up here to sign that down level. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 make himself a better player. So I, I hear fans moaning about Ojo, but I sometimes think you have to remember, you know, he is only young. And he's, he's just a kid. Yeah, and he's up here to learn. Uh, but when, when Arfield came on on Thursday night, yeah, definitely felt a wee bit more reassured. And I, I think you're right. I thought he played one of his better games today. Somebody in front of me in, in the Govan stand he was sort of saying he thinks he's better in the middle of the park than he is further up. Um, that's that's maybe a debate. I don't know. But I certainly think it was one of his his, his better performances today. As for the overall performance, I, I genuinely got the feeling that Rangers didn't have to get out first gear today. I mean, Hearts really are... are but really a, poor. Oh, they're in a terrible state. The, 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 the relegation fodder, in my opinion, you know, that then. Don't, the big boy up front, uh, Piazza. I've always struggled to say his name. Yeah, uh, he's he, he he's obviously a handful and 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 can cause you problems. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, as much as we're not fond of, fond of him anymore down Ibrooks Bay, he's still a, dis, a decent player that can cause you problems. But outside that, I'm really looking at the Arts team, thinking uh, they seem in a bad way, and it'll be interesting to see who they appoint as a manager. But that's how it felt to me today. The Rangers didn't really have to, didn't have to get out of first gear, you know. And uh, even I mean, although Stephen, they did, Stephen Smith was talking during a halftime break, and he was saying, you know, whatever um, Austin McPhee's been saying to them in the in the dressing rooms, he says he doesn't like it. This is Stephen Smith's words. He says, I don't like it when they're out early like that and they're all in those little cliques discussing what the manager's been telling them. And you could see, and he was a. You know, he was he was alluding to the the, the fact that they, they were kind of uh, fractured as a team, um, and you could see it in the play. Um, and I think Stevie Smith was actually spot on the money to tell the truth. I think you know they were in their little groups of two and three players talking about this, that, or the next thing while they were waiting for Rangers to come out at halftime, um, <clears throat> and they're probably debating whether or not the manager's correct or whatever. But they did look like a fractured team from start to finish. I think there's. I mean, I think, I think there's been issues at Hearts for a while now. You know what I mean? And they do. They, they look as if they don't get it sorted soon. They they could be facing a a relegation battle. But hey, that's that's not our issue. Getting it's back to, to no, getting back to Rangers. Uh, first goal, Alfredo Morelos again just sort of bullied the boy out the road for the heater. Worthwhile noting that. Uh, I'm having a mind freeze here. Who's our left back again? Borna Barisic. Barisic, another assist for Borna. You know, what I mean, a great ball. yeah, and I mean, he provided what a similar one on Thursday night, which we'll talk about. But uh, 
again, just a sign that he's, he's, he's coming on as a player. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, mean, I, I spoke on here a few months ago with Ross and Ross was wondering what how, what he would have to do to get back in his side and, you know, state a claim. And I was like, the guy's not, for me, the guy's not done anything wrong. He's just adjusting to this, the way we, the, the, the game's played here. You'll see the best at him in the, the European games. And of course, he started to get confidence by scoring at St. Martin and playing well in the European games. And now he's, he looks like the player that we bought. He's the quality of delivery from the left-hand side between him and Ryan Jack, when, uh, not Ryan Jack, Ryan... Ken. Uh, yeah, Ryan Kent, when the, when the two of them are out there, and they're building up a nice partnership as well. It could come for either one of them. And then you've got James Tavernier, who's still overhitting a little bit at the moment. He's overhitting his crosses. But some of his crosses are, are, are getting back to the James Tavernier that we knew last year. Uh, I mean, Look at the dangerous on both, on both sides of the park. Yeah. The only thing we need is that, that position that, that Ojo's supposed to be, you know, making his own. We need that tidied up a bit. But unfortunately, because Ojo's a young lad and he's going to be inconsistent, we're not going to get that from him. But he's got everything that you needs that he needs to be that type of player. It's just that he's a young lad and he's inconsistent at the moment. Yeah, I mean the one the one fear I've got about the stuff that Tav and Barisic give us going forward is that they're leaving the door open sometimes at the back. You know what I mean? And I think that's the the role now. You know, fullbacks are expected. You know, to be overlapping, to go beyond the midfielders and the forwards and get to the byline and deliver crosses, you know, it's a hard shift for them. Yeah, they're um, meant to be but, overlapping or underlapping in the channel. Yeah, and they're good at it. And I, I mean, I know Tav's having a sticky a sticky season. Is You know, he's he's not really hit the heights of, of previous years, but I mean, he's, 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 he's stats in terms of... I've seen, I've seen some not, stuff from Tav today that I thought, Yes, captain, that's it. You know, when we scored our fifth goal, he's ushering everybody back to the halfway line as quickly as possible to try and get another one. I yeah. want to see my captain doing that. That's a good yeah. sign for me. That's a good sign. Uh, and he's still, you know, as I said, he's still providing, you know, his fair share of assists and all the rest of it. Uh, second goal, Ryan Ken, again, we've spoke about him in previous weeks, you know, when he first came back, got the injury, out for a few weeks, you start to worry, well, Christ, we've paid seven million. And he's not producing. I mean, he got the goal last week, and again today, and again he's starting to look like he's 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 reaching that sort of level that he reached in the, in the second half of last season. That was a smashing goal, um, a great run from um, Joe Rebo, and of course, who other than Stephen Davis finds him, uh, brings it down beautifully in the box, cuts inside, looks up, and there's Ryan, easy, easy, easy goal, beautiful goal, great goal. Right, two and on at half time, then Graham. Uh, come out. You know, at that point, I'm thinking if they get the third, start making changes. Big week coming up. Sure enough, uh, better done it for us. Although, again, you've got to give Tav the, the credit and, and Morelos the credit for being there, you know, for panicking him into that decision to, to slide in and, and put it in his own net. Straight away, make the substitutions, get Morelos off, get Kent off, keep them good for next week or for Wednesday night. Uh, I wanted to talk about Greg Stewart because I remember Stephen Clifford had sort of spoke about him a few weeks back on the pod saying that he felt uh, because Arfield had been producing his best form that, that Greg Stewart sort of deserved a chance. And I have to say, it, I, I think Stephen's maybe onto something. There is an argument to say he's been quite unlucky that he's not played more games and got more minutes because whenever he does come on, it it, it 
does tend to produce. He's, you know, he scored a few goals now for Rangers. He's got two today, one of which was Rangers' 10,000th league goal. So yeah, congratulations to Greg for that, because that's a bit of a milestone. What about yourself? Do you, I mean, do you think it's just because the, the Rangers are performing so well at the moment that there are a lot of guys who are sitting outside the starting 11 thinking, well, I'm being, you know... Yeah, as being, long as they're pushing for places. Colin. Yeah, but they, 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 must, they must feel hard done by a wee bit, though. They must feel unlucky, which is a good sign. You know what I mean? Because Rangers are performing at such a level that players are only making mistakes to, to let boys in, but it must be hard being in that position. It must be, yeah. But then um, I don't know if you've seen the Jermaine Defoe interview uh, on uh, the Rangers TV website. Um, and there's, there's talk of that sort of stuff. Is You know, there's always a competition between players to, to win the jersey. But Jermaine Defoe today was, as far as I'm concerned, that interview was outstanding and it, it spoke volumes for what the, the attitude of the whole team is. It's about the team. Um, and the fact that he, he's got a guy in front of him who's scoring goals for fun at the moment, uh, when he gets his chances, he, he does as best as he can to score, at least when he comes on. And I think a lot of the Rangers uh, players are, have got this attitude. I think it's something that, that Gerard likes to work on. Their attitude towards uh, the team rather than just themselves. Although, yeah. of course, as you're, if you're a player yourself, you're, you're desperate to play. Um, and I think there's a case for um, Greg Stewart to be playing in games against like some other wall and Hamilton, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and use them sparingly in any other competitions that we've got. There's no reason why he shouldn't shouldn't get a game because he's he's shown already that he's dangerous in and around the box on that left hand side. Or if anything's breaking, he's on it. And we, yeah. we're, we're not very we're not so we're not so great at times when it comes to you know recycling that second ball, and he's good at it. So why not use him? I mean, there's others like him as well. I mean, I think uh, Katic as well must feel. A wee bit hard done by at times. I, I think it's good that I, I had, I've never seen the interview that you're talking about yeah. with uh, with Jermaine Defoe. However, I, I do think it's it's good that a manager can create that sort of environment where, where players just focus on the, you know the squad and the team and the, and the job in hand rather than themselves. Now, don't get me wrong, as professionals, you know, come, come two o'clock on a on a Saturday afternoon, if they're not named in the team, obviously they're going to be desperately disappointed and all the rest of it sure. but it's I think it's good that Gerrard's at the moment uh, appears that he's managing to balance that you know and manage it in terms of players are happy to bide their time to mm. me a lot of that will be down to Gerrard having individual conversations with them through the week and saying oh, look yeah. I, know, I know you're not playing now but I need you to keep training hard because I'll need you at some point and, uh, and keeping that hunger and desire going but I, I must admit Stuart's one that I think has been a wee bit unlucky. Cartage is the same. You just think, I don't think Cartage has done anything wrong all season. No, neither do I. And, and, it, and, it, and it's going to be very, very difficult for him to get back in that side now. I mean, I'm, I've, I've never been, um, I'm not a great supporter of Conor Golson. However, at the moment, it's his jersey. Um, however, at the same time as saying that, Cartage would have scored all three of those headers. He's a great header of the ball. He's a, a, a huge threat at set pieces. Um, and whenever we're in the opposition's box at those types of set pieces and Katic's anywhere near it, it's the keeper's having to make a save or it's or it's in the back of the net. It's funny you say that because me and my boy were talking about that today and Big Keith that sits behind me. 
Well, actually, there was there was I think he got three in a row corner kicks, corner goals, and went up and won the headers, and they all went over the bar or wide or whatever. Yeah, his first one was the closest one, which just went past the post. But I actually got got the three of us talking, and I said I don't think I've seen anybody win so many headers in the penalty box without scoring. You know, and it's something he definitely needs to work on because it's not even like when he's heading the ball, like he's underneath it. You know, he's timing his jump well. He is meeting it with his forehead. It just seems to me he's not very good at, at, at directing it and, and, and putting it where he wants to put it. And, and that, I think you're right. That's something he needs to improve on. It'd be interesting to see what Katic would have done in the same situation. I think he would have scored more than than, than, than goals and manages to. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. Katic is just a young lad, so... He's got a lot of learning to do, especially when it comes to the defensive role. And sometimes he's he's you know, sometimes he makes the wrong the wrong choice or he goes tight to someone like Ekpiezu and he shouldn't. He should just sit off him for a bit and let him bring it down and and then look for where the ball's going then. Uh I think that was what that I think that was the last game that that, that Nikola Katic played, right? Against Hearts at uh, at Tynecastle. Well, I can't think back. Chris, I can't remember yesterday. To I be think so. honest, Graham. <laughs> if you've gone back away to Tynecastle a few weeks ago, I'm sorry. My mind's gone. I used to be good at that stuff, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Middle-aged sort of befuddlement has uh, has kicked in. Uh, I, what, uh, there was another issue. I, I thought uh, we would talk about Don Robertson's performance today, the referee. Uh, now, obviously, the hearts are oh, in a, a, a bad position at the moment and they're not a good team to watch they're struggling they're, they're you know they're joint bottom with St Johnson and uh, Hamilton I believe you know so they're in a bad way so you do and it's, they've got as I say big XP, XPs up front so you're expecting a physical battle you know that, that's part and parcel of it but some of the tackles today uh, shocking shocking I, I mean really shocking. really really Over bad the top and, of the ball studs up and some, and some of them weren't even you know it wasn't even booking them you know it was just a wee no. talking to and then moving on and uh, you know there the, the really was I think it was after 60 70 minutes you're thinking how, how many more of these challenges are they going to get away with now famously Don Robertson was the the referee who when he gave a penalty he Ross County up at Dingwall against Celtic he phoned Brendan Rodgers like a day later to apologise you know and he looked like that type of referee me today you know he looked like somebody would phone up the Celtic manager and apologise for getting it wrong because it was, it was a shocking performance I thought from him I mean, he's not alone there the, the vast majority of referees in Scotland are pretty pretty poor to be honest with you what, what can you do about it um you can highlight it and say that, that these performances are poor and they're, you know, they're substandard for the league. Uh, but that's pretty much it. And they're pretty, to be fair, they're much of a muchness. The, the best one's probably uh, Willie Collum, and he's dreadful. So, pick, take, you know, take your pick for a bad lot. If you, that, that pretty much sums it up, actually. If you're telling me that Willie Collum's our best referee, because uh, I, I don't think I've seen a referee... At, Anywhere as bad as Willie Collum for guessing decisions, you know he just he just absolutely he, he's got his back to things and he just assumes what's happened and, and makes a decision based on that. Uh, but I I genuinely thought some of the the stuff some of the Robinson tackles today were, were were ridiculous. You know, up with the arms and stuff like that. Golson, that I think that one way uh, Golson would took him 
Well, a four arm smash in the face. That's a red card straight away. What? I thought the one I thought the one in Davis was a bad one as well. That was a terrible thought, tackle. Yeah, as well. I thought it was a really, really bad tackle. But don't get me wrong, I'm up in the, the governor here and I'm getting old. <laughs> so my sight's not the best. Yeah, so, sometimes, class, is it? <laughs> so, so sometimes I see things that didn't really happen. Uh, but it looked a no, bad right. one. It was a terrible and, tackle. And, and Davis isn't the type to hit the turf, I think. You know what I mean? He's not that type of player. He's a bit of a, a no frills player, Stephen Davis just gets on with quite an honest guy. He's the type of player that if he goes down, you know there's something wrong, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I thought his uh, performance was pretty poor today overall, the referee. One no, final point one final point before we move on to the final game, because I'm trying to make it a bit quicker tonight, Graham, because there's so much to talk about. Uh, I did quite like it. You know, when we started to get three and four, you start to think, right, okay, if we get seven, we, we go top of the league. Uh, and it, I think it was the fifth, and it was Borna Barisic, you know, grabbing the ball and running back and putting it on the spot. You're thinking five minutes to go, we're five nothing up, and they, they're gone for it. They want those other two goals, you know. They're, yeah. they're at least wanting one more. And I must admit, it feels like a, a while, you know, when you consider everything we've went through, you know, the journey and through the leagues and all the rest of it, it's good to see that sort of desire and appetite back in the Rangers team again. Yeah, with five minutes to go. Absolutely. I, I want to see desire for goals, goals and Mere goals. Well, I, I, you know what it reminded me of a wee bit? I mean, obviously it's not the business end of the season, but remember the, I think it was 2003, when we had Dunfermline at the last game of the season and Celtic were at Kilmarnock. And it was essentially who got the most goals. You know what I mean? So even when Rangers went 3-1 up, 4-1 up, you know, they were still like grabbing the ball, running back, right, we need to keep going, we need to keep going. And to see that in the 85th minute of the day, you know, you see, as you mentioned earlier on, Tav was the same. He was sort of shouting to the guys, right, come on, we can get that goal. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. You're sitting there thinking, you know what, these guys are up for it. They're up for this battle. And I don't care what they say across the road. That's exactly what I wanted to see. Yeah, they they, they, they they must be nervous about that because we're, we're approaching the halfway point and we don't look like we're blinking at the moment. No, I don't. I tend to agree with you. We're... we're... Uh, I guess I think the, the the big test will be um, on Wednesday night at Petaudry. Uh I think that will be. I don't think. Uh, I think it will be quite a tight game. Uh, I think Aberdeen, like Hearts, will kick everything above the grass. Uh, it just uh, it just depends on how how that's refereed. Uh, what do you do? Do you play? Do you play the four in that one, or do you play Alfie? Uh, I think I, I would say I think. You've got to that's the kind of game that they'll just want to send Alfie off. I'll be honest with you, I think Morelos has, has turned the corner on that front, to be honest with you. You know, I think he's had about one, maybe two bookings this season. I think he's cuter. I think he's cleverer. I think he's, I think essentially Stephen Gerrard and his representatives have sat him down and said, well, the reason you're not getting a big money move this summer is because of your discipline. So if unless you focus on that and fix that side of your game, you're not going to get that big move. Because to me, it's obviously wants that big move. And I think he's done well. I think Defoe as well. I think he deserves it, eh? But it offers a lot, you know, in terms of calming uh, Morelos down and coaching him and teaching him what to do. You know what I mean? I think I think yeah. he's made a big difference to Morelos' game since he's arrived. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's so much on the part. I think it's behind the scenes. I think it's at training. You know, I think uh, Defoe does a lot on that front. Uh, so overall, yeah, great day. 5 0, freezing. You know, minus five at Tynecastle. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, talk about the final game now, Graham. 
Uh, as I said earlier on, I was I had a family commitment, so I was kind of running about on Thursday night. So I had to watch the game, try and avoid the score, and then watch it as live. I mean, in terms of overall performance, <laughs> I thought we started not too bad the sort of first 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And then Feyenoord slowly started to build up a wee head of steam and a bit of momentum. And then after about half an hour, it just felt like, bang, we're in a, we're in a game here. You know, McGregor was having to make saves, uh, last-ditch tackles, all that kind of thing. It felt like we were really in a game. And then we went 1-0 down. And to be fair, I, I thought at half-time, we could count ourselves lucky to still be in the game at that at that stage. I thought. I think that's 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 a good reflection of what I was watching as well. First ten minutes we looked okay, nice and settled. We moved the ball about quite well, and then you know, fire and odds. They'd they'd come out the traps a wee bit. I don't know, a wee bit stop start, and then they then they then they clicked for a good 25, 30 minutes in that that first half. But towards the end of the first half, we start to get a grip on it again. Um, and you know that 25 30 minute period where they were they were dominating we could have been a couple of goals down so we were quite lucky to be going in um, just one behind uh what, what was encouraging for me was the last fight as i said the last five ten minutes of that first half we started to, to to get back on the ball again and start to move it about a bit and uh i was thinking well stevie it's time for you to do your magic now son once once these get once these get in and get their cup of tea and that's right. just exactly what happened. Well, I don't know what he put in our tea, but it worked. But I, <laughs> my, my biggest fear about the, the game on Thursday, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Porto are the best or perceived as the best team in the group. You know, quarter-finalists of the Champions League last season. And we went over there and we actually probably should have won that game that night. I think we had enough chances to win it. We were really, really mm-hmm. unlucky. But but one thing that was different from this I game... I think we surprised Porto, to be honest with you. I think they would expect this to be a lot more physical and we weren't the only player that's really that physical as Alfredo. Yeah. But I also think another thing is see see the game at Porto, their fans didn't turn up. You know, the, the stadium was half empty. Uh, there wasn't much in atmosphere. So from an, a, an away team playing away in Europe, straight away, that gives you a bit of confidence. You think, right, you know what? These guys haven't turned up for this. That was different on Thursday night. A very, very partisan atmosphere, so to speak. You know, real noise and I mean final supporters are well known for getting behind their team and so it was it was quite a hostile atmosphere and when final started to you know build up that head of steam that we we're talking about earlier on that's what I started to fear because the noise in the stadium started to increase you know and it just felt like this tidal wave of you know, emotion and stuff coming towards you and you're thinking, oh, how are the players going to handle this? So that's what impressed me about the second half is the fact that they did handle it. You know, despite they the fact... They grew a bit. Is that yeah. Uh, despite the fact that we're playing in a very hostile environment, huge atmosphere, uh, they, they got the goal. First first shot on target, Morelos, header, bang, one each, uh, and we're back in the game. Now, at that point, I'm thinking, Phew, got away with one here, you know, we're back in the game. Uh and then they go two one up. I mean, the, the, the second goal was, was absolutely top draw. But the the, the the way they they handled that environment and that atmosphere, you know, the character that they've had to show, because I think it's difficult to play in atmospheres like that. If you're getting the ball and you've got forty thousand folk telling you you're shite or whatever, and they want you, you know, they're trying to put you off your game. It's very very difficult, I think, to 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 play through that. And I think Porto didn't have that 
but we, we, we dealt with it well and not only got back in the game but, but took the lead yeah, we took the lead. See, I think, I think that the the, the pace that Feyenoord had set for themselves was, was was unsustainable. And when it came to the second half, you know how you have to play for X amount of minutes in the game and then take a ten minute breather, move the ball around, and look for positions instead of forcing the game. But then when you're forcing the game at that pace, you can't do that for ninety minutes. You end up absolutely jiggered. So, I think we scored just at the right time, as Dick would say. Remember, old Jack used to say, "Oh, then we scored at the right time." First half, so, not so good. Second half, very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, so. I like Dick. I must admit, I liked I liked Tyler Cowan. He was at the Angels. I, th- I thought that ninety nine two thousand team was arguably the best team I've seen uh, at Ibrox. But uh, I come back to final uh, the by Alfie, but the second goal for it, Alfie, the ball in for Borna, and then just. You know, there's no pace on that ball and Alfie's got to generate the pace and put it into the far corner. What a goal that is, mate. That's just, that's that's Derek Johnston type of goal for a header. I'll tell you this much. Every single one of my neighbours, who are all fairly new because I've only moved here recently, they knew. <laughs> they knew Rangers had scored. Because <laughs> they were and my, but my boy knew the score. He'd, he'd been at his training, so he got in the car when I was picking him up and I says, look, I don't know the score, so shut up don't say anything if you know and he's like well I know the score and I was like well just shut up so he didn't want to watch it because he knew the score so he sat in his room uh, so he knew that I saw the goal and my daughter came running down the stair like why are you shouting at the telly you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you I was going to half my nut honestly proper <laughs> proper limbs and it was only me in the living room but hey fuck it you know what I mean <laughs> it was a great moment <laughs> But to go to go for that, and, and we've spoken about this before, game as well on the pod about the sort of game management side. And I do think Rangers are improving on it. But every now and again, there's a wee blip that just shows you that they're not quite there. And going by Gerard's reaction to Feyenoord equalising, you know, I think he feels it's still an issue as well. It was just so frustrating to, mm. to turn the game around like that, and then within two or three minutes to be pulled back into it, it was was really frustrating. I thought. Yeah, well, it's one it's one of those ones. Big Highlander gets gets his feet caught in the turf and topples over. But the one for me that's 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 crucial is the the tackle by Connor Golson. You know, if he rattles that ball, that ball's going out the park. He's going to kick it off the player. But he doesn't. He just you know feathers it. And of course, that puts it into the guy's path properly instead of hitting it, smashing it off him. I don't know. Whether I'm just being harsh on Connor Golson, but that's what I think you should have done. If you can't get a tackle on the man, make sure you hit the ball off him. It's, it just seemed a bit of a, such an avoidable goal, if you know what I mean. It just just seemed to come for nothing, and the boy was through. And don't get me wrong, he done well. You know, if I'd done that at the fives, no, I'd be looking. He for, took uh, his goal well, boy. He actually. took it well, but uh, you know, Holander ends up doing his face in the turf and. Ah, it just it just felt avoidable. And Gerard's reaction, I think, told you, but he thought of it. I think he thought it was avoidable yeah. as well. And it was, it was, it was, it was really frustrating. I mean, after the pace that we took in the first half, to find ourselves two one up, uh, and going through at that point, you know, we're through if if we win the game. Uh, for it to go the other way and and then to lose that lead so quickly, I found quite frustrating. Uh, but you know, still, I think overall, two each. If you'd offered me that at the start of the game, I think. If you'd offered me two each after half an hour, I'd have bitten your hand off. But 
I think just the way it came about, it felt a wee bit frustrating. Uh, there was an incident with Morelos, uh, Graham, the, the, the penalty. What, what did you think of that? Look, that's a penalty. That's a shadow of a doubt. Oh, what else can you say about it? The guy's, you know, <laughs> I think uh, Morelos' wife's pregnant. You'll need to check uh, if pregnant or not. I know. They'll need to get the old... Uh, the, the, blue, the, 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 the blue kit done, aye, that's it. Uh, again, I mean, we moan about Scottish referees, but that that just seemed blatant. A bit of a homer, that referee. Yeah, aye. Aye, but it, did, it, seemed, it seemed to me like an absolute blatant penalty kick that we didn't get. But I think overall, as I said, if he'd offered me, if he'd offered me a draw... After I mean, I don't hour. know what he's see. I don't know what the referee's seeing here. Maybe he sees it as Alfredo backing into the guy. Well, he does. He does back into him, but you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to back into players. Aye, but you know I mean, what you're not allowed to do is jump on their back and no, <laughs> flatten I them. That's you know? uh, but, uh, I mean, it is what it is. And we, and we go into the final game, you know, it's all in our own, our own hands. Now we're top of the group, which is an incredible achievement. You know, I mean, if, if we go on to win that group, when you consider we were the fourth seed, that is a huge achievement and, and one that, that deserves a, a lot of credit. Uh, you know, if, if we beat young boys, that's us, we're home and hosed. If we beat young boys, are we top of the group? I think we are, aren't we? We're top of the group just now. Yeah, yeah we're, we're top. top of the group at the moment, but if we beat young boys, we stay top of the group. Yeah, we win, that's it. We win the group. Does that mean that we would miss the Champions League teams that come in, so we'd get like a second place team? It certainly helps to win the group. I know that right. much. I don't know the permutations. I struggle keeping up with all the different tournaments and honest to God, the, 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 the draw for the Euros yesterday, I was sitting there watching it like, I need a calculator and a bloody tape measure here to understand who's playing who. But uh, yeah, it's obviously it certainly helps if you if you finish top of your group. You know, I think you're seeded and it, and it helps in terms of who you get in the next round. Yeah. So, but I mean, we can't take it for granted that we're, we're going to beat them. But again, no. if you if you offered us now, remember we we started this on day one of this tournament. We started this tournament in July. You know, if anyone had offered mm-hmm. us at that point, you're going to qualify for the group stage. And on match day six, if you win against young boys, you're going to win the group. You'd have bitten their hands off. You'd have oh, said, yeah. can have that. Yes, thank Not you very much. A doubt. Absolutely. Well, give me it. Give me that. I'll take that bit. Now, there was one more issue, again, speaking uh, about Jordan. He sort of tweeted about it uh, through the week. He was at the game. Took a bit of stick from some some of the Rangers supporters. The old singing scenario, and there's now talk of a potential stadium ban. Now, Graham, this just doesn't seem to go away. You know, I mean, no, I thought not. I thought we'd maybe learned a lesson, you know, after the, the, the two previous incidents with the partial closures. Well, I didn't know I, anything about any of this until the following day. Uh, the BBC were running with a different story on the night, which was that uh, there was a possible infringement with the Rangers fans setting off flares uh, before the match. Um, and that was what the BBC was running with. But then uh, after figuring out, you know, on our forums and stuff like that, you see this tweet from, from Jordan Campbell and you're saying to yourself, what the heck's going on here? There's two or three different stories about uh, possible sanctions against Rangers, uh, for, as I say, for, for different reasons. Um, and uh, it kind of felt, 
it's felt to me a little bit orchestrated, if you know what I mean. Feels a bit on the orchestrated side, a bit in the, you know, pushing for it. Um, well, it's I kind of felt like that for a while. You know, I mean, I think Fair, who always seem to turn up at Ibrox, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I think when you look at the people behind that organisation, you know, and what, what club they support, I don't think it's unfair to say that they are not coming into this as impartial at all. However, yeah. it was within the first five or ten minutes that I heard one song getting belted out. And straight away I was like, if that gets picked up, we could be in trouble. Right. Now, you know, I've, I've, I've seen all sorts of people refer to Jordan as a grass and all the rest of it. See, at the end of the day, if we know, as supporters, if we know that it's a certain type of behaviour, whether it be songs or banners or whatever, could lead to a stadium ban. Why? Why would you? Why would you do it? Why would you get involved in that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, if what you're saying is true. I'm going to have to accept your word for it. I never heard anything. I never heard anything at half time either. When um, Sweet Caroline was getting was getting sung, um, not from the television footage anyway. Uh, however, if it's being reported by people. And this is the odd part, right? There are people in the forums across all the Rangers forums and media saying that they didn't hear anything and they were in this section and then other people saying, well, I heard this and I was in that section. Uh, it seems to be a case of um, some people heard stuff and other people didn't, depending on where you were in the ground. So I don't know if it was actually sung or not. Um, but if there is something being sung, then it needs to stop. It's that simple. Because... UEFA's already uh, closed half a stand on us. So we need to stop that. Well, that's what I don't understand. You know, I mean, my biggest fear is that it doesn't come for this game. You know, the, the, the young boys game will be fine and it'll be, you know, the stadium will be full and all the rest of it. But then we qualify and we get a proper big tie. Because there's some big teams, there's some sort of teams that should be in the Champions League that, you know, I've had a bad season or whatever, and are now currently applying their trade in the Europa League. So we get we get a huge game against, say, Man United. Now I know they're not playing particularly well. No, never mind that. It's even worse than that. Imagine we get a game in the quarterfinals or something against Celtic and the uh, Ibrox is uh, a home game uh, against Celtic. You, know, you, you, you get a huge, closed. you get you get a proper big name coming in the knockout stages of the tournament, and they close Ibrox. You would be as a supporter who's done nothing wrong. You would be absolutely raging. You'd be raging the, 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 the thought that you were being denied a really big night because some people seem to value these songs uh, more than they value the well-being of the club. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand the argument that you know people make too big a deal about it. I do think they, they make too big a deal about it. Songs I just are songs. It was strange, Colin, that it went from flares being let off to then being about sectarian singing. Right, the the, the story changed almost within 24 hours now on the first count when it was supposedly flares I was like well hold on a second Legia Warsaw came to Ibrox and the game had to be stopped for five minutes yeah. people were treated for injuries this that and the next thing and there's been no repercussions from UEFA on that so surely the BBC at six o'clock shouldn't be calling for you know the stadium to be closed for the next Rangers match in, in the campaign that that seems to be odd. Seems to be an odd call. Then, don't get me. Then Sorry, you find out that Jordan Campbell's uh, written a tweet on the evening later on, and there's more. There's there's apparently more to it, or there's a separate incident of whatever. 
And then the newspapers pick on, on that, and that's what they're arguing. But that just feels a bit odd. And don't get me wrong, like I, I think Rangers supporters get more scrutiny than any other support, and more than they, des- they deserve. I mean, we're not perfect, and I accept that. You know, I've, I've always accepted that there's, you know, an, an element within the support that don't do us any favours. However, I, th- I think the level of scrutiny is, is off the scale. But because of that scrutiny being off the scale, surely that's when you think, right, well, we need to box clever here. We need to yeah. watch what we're singing. We need to watch what we're putting on banners. We need to watch everything that we're doing because if we so much as make one wee reference that can be judged as sectarian or anything like that, they are going to hammer us. So, I mean, the, Anything the, the, I say about this at the moment, Colin, is sheer conjecture, right? Because I'm, A, I wasn't there. Uh, and B, I don't, I don't really trust any of the sources. I certainly don't trust the BBC. No, I don't. I don't blame you in that front. But that's I what mean, I mean. I can I can have an opinion on uh, sectarian singing uh, at any football match. It shouldn't be happening, especially when it's when it's just football clubs. There should be none of that stuff. And if it's going to damage a football club, it should stop immediately. Well, and and, and also, I mean, one, it can damage the club, but two, it seems to me that the, the the ground is not even in terms of reporting these kind of things. I mean, I saw that the, the Wren fans who were in Glasgow on Thursday evening were attacked and the Sun is blaming PSG fans for it. So that's what we're up against. You know what I mean? We're inventing a PSG supporters club being based in, in Glasgow somewhere. You know what I mean? Obviously, it wasn't the PSG fans. Why are PSG fans going to come over to Glasgow to mug Wren fans when they're playing against Celtic? You know what I mean? But that's a level of where the, the reporting of these incidents are. And I think Rangers are, are up against it a wee bit on that front. So that's surely when we need to be really clever and really wise up in terms of what we're doing. It might not be fair. I get that. I hear fans moaning about it all the time. And they're right to moan about it. You know what I'm saying? They get yeah. to do this. They get to do that. And we, we get hammered all the time. I get that. That's frustrating. But that's the lay of the land at the moment. And that's what we need to navigate. And we need to navigate it in a way that the club doesn't get fined. Yeah, doesn't, absolutely I absolutely mean, agree with you, Colin. Um, a, a stadium closure... The trouble for me is this, right? If there's one or two people in a crowd who are singing, uh, a crowd of 25,000, and everybody else tells them to shut up and it stops more or less immediately because of being embarrassed about it. And is that is that something that you you would want to close a stadium for? <laughs> it's, it, but it's difficult. I mean, I know people talk about self-policing and all the rest of it but you know are you going to challenge somebody singing these songs I mean yeah, I, 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 I seen I seen someone getting into a bit of a, a scrap when he sort of asked somebody to calm down because he'd been singing one of these songs and somebody challenged him right so they two started having a bit of a, a thing and one the guy that had been singing the song was getting really agitated and really angry and it looked like it could get a bit off the scale and a guy that sits behind me intervened and just said, look, mate, calm down a wee bit. And then he got it. He started getting the abuse. He started getting, well, what's it going to do with you? So the whole self-policing thing, as much as I understand why clubs and all the rest that go down that road and say they encourage fans to do it, but I perfectly understand why fans don't want to get involved. I think, well, that guy could be an absolute nutter. You know, I could say, excuse me, mate, do you mind no singing that? And he'll turn around and punch my lights out. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, yeah, think that- I, I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult. I think supporters clubs could do a lot more. I think they could, you know, set out 
you know, rules and regulations and say, look, guys, if we get caught doing this, we're in trouble, we'll take tickets off you or whatever. But there has to be some way of managing it because I, 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 I dread the day that they close Ibrox for a big European game. I, I think that would just be horrific. It, it, it gives me the fear thinking about it. You know what I mean? The, the, the thought that there would be a big European team in town and we couldn't go and watch them. Well, well what? A week away from playing uh, young boys at home, so that's not this Thursday, but next Thursday, right? Uh-huh. It's the Thursday after Cup Final. So we should know by, I would imagine, Friday, Saturday, whether there's going to be any action or whatever, uh, and which games that I'll, 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 you know, I'll be uh, subjected to. Well, I mean, hopefully nothing will come of it. Certainly it doesn't help that the, the mainstream media in, in this country uh, uh, got a bit between their teeth and want, yeah. to, want to yeah. use whatever leverage that they've got. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think, as I said before, I don't think it's a level, a level playing field when it comes to the media in this country and Rangers, but we'll see what comes of it. But I, I just find it frustrating because it's so avoidable. But hey-ho. Uh, anyway, like, that's covered final now. So day GM last week, I think the main thing to talk about it is is the the announcement from Dave King that he's stepping down. So I just thought we'd have a wee discussion about what we thought in terms of what's his legacy, what's his what's his time in charge been like. I mean, I don't know about you, Graham, but I'm I'm automatically suspicious of people with money, and I think David Murray's got a lot to do with that. You know how it all ended with him, and then you've got you know Charles Green and Craig White and all that. You know, I am now uber suspicious people with, with that level of money and, and that level of power and all the rest of it. So, I mean, the Rangers I, I, fan, after our troubles, after the stuff that we've been through, the Rangers fans are, are extra vigilant about this yeah. stuff. So uh, we're one to everybody. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's what it's a case. It's one's bitten twice shy, I think. You know what I mean? And But I, I would have to, I mean, I've not agreed with everything that Dave King's done. You know, I, I don't think he's handled the Sports Direct thing too well. Uh, there's been other wee things that he said in the paper yet, and I've kind of thought was, was there really any need to say that that said we were getting trampled over so much at, at, at certain times over the last few years that maybe he's just thought no, it's, it's time we we started answering back I mean in terms of his legacy how, how do you view Dave King? Um, how do I view Dave King? Well as far as Murray's concerned, I was suspicious of Murray when Dave King lost his 25 million because you know, Dave King put that money into the club and then Murray allowed the share prices to fall, so uh, which meant that Dave lost pretty much all of his money at the time. Um, so I, ha- I had a bad taste in my mouth about that. Um, at the time, I didn't like it. And I told everybody and all my friends and family and whatnot, I think there's something going on here. Uh, obviously, I couldn't put my finger on it and tell you exactly what it was, but I knew that it was that Murray was up to no good. Um, and then, oh, the rest of the stuff that follows, and your Craig White and your Charles Green, etc. and they had to be removed. And, you know, I was, I thought Dave King was a bit reticent at first. I mean, he was still involved in the club. He was on that board and he didn't really do anything until he was almost forced into it. If you know what I mean, it felt like he, he had been forced into a corner and he had, there was nothing else he could do but just, you know, take over the get, get these people out and take over the club and make sure it was being run properly. So my appreciation of Dave King is that 
he was a, a reluctant captain, but took the job on and more or less, other than the sports direct issues that were the legacy issues and still going on, uh, I think he steadied the ship pretty well, to be honest with you. Um, and I think that uh, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse for us. It could have been a lot more messy as far as litigation is concerned. And, uh, you know, the the low the real low point for me was when uh, Mike actually tried to have him thrown in jail for speaking about the, the contracts and stuff. Uh, but he weathered that storm and a lot of it, he's taken it on his own shoulders, even though, you know, it's, he's automatically associated with Rangers and everything is, uh, that happens to Dave King is automatically associated with Rangers. He's took a lot of the, he's took a lot of the flag and he's took a lot of the fire. Um, and other people have been allowed to work underneath him quietly. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the story is with investment. Maybe it's because investors, maybe, maybe it's because, as he says, that he wants to stand down and concentrate on his, his businesses in South Africa, or maybe it's because there's investment coming in and they want people who are on the ground to be making the decisions rather than having to uh, run anything past a chairman that's that's essentially absent. Yeah, the appreciation of him is that he's he's come in and he's done a very good job at stabling the ship. We're a far better place now than we were when uh, White and Green were involved and Ashley was involved. They're all gone now and the, the club's slowly getting back to where it should be. I, I mean, well, Ashley's still sort of loitering about into with the, the, the sports direct thing, but I know yeah, he's mean. no longer a shareholder, right? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's, uh, I mean, I think, I think, You've pretty summed up my feelings on it as well. I mean, he, I mean, he, you know, he had that battle with the control panel. You know, he's, 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 I mean, a lot of Celtic fans were sort of laughing through the week, saying, you know, five years in charge, no trophies, and all the rest of it. But I think King was fighting other battles, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. And someone made a good point through the week that the the they showed you the the, the turnover of the, the Rangers were were, were the producing. stadium facilities, the training with, facilities, the club itself. I mean, there's a I, lot. Good work been going on there. Yeah. Well, the, the, like five years ago, his first AGM, you know, when they announced the turnover and all the rest of it, it was a, a shocking amount, you know, and the, 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 that's risen, you know, to such a level. I, I can't quite remember the figures, but I think someone said that the, the revenue was as, as low as 22 million at one point when he was involved. And that's obviously, he's increased that one by one. He's went through it all. As you say, he's looked at the infrastructure. The stadium has been neglected for a long, long time. You're seeing stuff there. Lots of stuff going on at the training facility as well. You know, and you're just seeing wee things that the stuff that had obviously been getting ignored, not just under uh, Craig White, I mean, under David Murray. I mean, it was obvious for a while that yeah. David Murray had stopped bothering in terms of, you know, around the maintenance of Ibrox Park because, I mean, the toilets in the government year just are a disgrace, you know what I mean? But there are, there are wee signs that you can see things starting to pick up, but it was obvious for a while that David Murray had said, that's one thing we're not going to bother with anymore. So he's had to pick up that. He's had to pick up the stuff that was neglected for a few years before he arrived. He's had to have umpteen battles with, with outside sort of forces to try and, you know, the, the sports direct thing. He's also had to deal with the BBC. You know that's been an ongoing thing, haven't he? Haven't he deal with them? Uh, he made an interesting comment about the HMRC stuff as well. I think he sort of said that the club wouldn't be in a position to do anything, but he himself might 
consider yeah. it because because obviously he was a shareholder on the OCO and he's lost a lot of money. You know, so he's had to. I, I don't know if Dave King's time in charge was necessarily about the football side. Of it it was about steadying the business side of it and getting us yeah. back on a level footing. Now, again, the football side's starting to steady as well, though. Now, yeah, and it, and and if nothing else, it was it was under his regime that, that Stephen Gerrard arrived. Now, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm always I'm I'm just naturally suspicious of people with that level of wealth and all the rest of it, but. I'll cut David King some slack. I think he's done a, a very good job since he's he's been in charge of Rangers. He's he's leaving he's leaving us in a better state, a far better state than what we were in uh, when he found us when he, when he arrived. And you know what? There's every chance he'll be walking when, when you know at the end of the season. We'll, we'll have a league title. You know, I mean, this time last season we were pretty much out the title. Previous seasons before that, nowhere near the title. You know. And, and we're fighting for it this year so that shows that as you say the football side's improving as well so yeah I think he goes with most supporters thanks and, and I think a lot has realised that it wasn't just all about winning trophies on the part for David King it was about fixing the infrastructure and I don't but just making mean making sure that Rangers was still existing yeah it's still here and, and balancing the books getting everything sorted obviously that's not quite happening yet but I think the long term plan is 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 that'll come. I think the 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 retail side once that's sorted, that's another revenue. You know, we're obviously getting extra revenue with the group stages of the, the European football for the last two years. So yeah, it goes with my thanks. I think he's done a decent job, uh, but he's rich, so I'm always going to be suspicious, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the way it is. Uh, right, conscious of time, Graham. We're we're coming up to the sort of last five minutes, so. Just a wee quick chat about the two games coming up. Quick one in Aberdeen game. Pataudry always difficult. I think in recent years it's, it's either been a draw or you know we've had the odd defeat up there. But we've also had some decent wins. Mine has gone up there and winning three nothing. Kenny Miller got a couple that day. Also a four two game with Jermaine Defoe scored in the last minute. Yep. How do you see it going on Wednesday? Um Aberdeen will be their stuffy self, but you know they're not they're not playing particularly well at the moment. Um, they were fortunate to to win uh, at the weekend. I felt they were fortunate to get break of the ball. Um, I mean, it was a good goal. Uh, Quinn scored. Is that what you call him now, Quinn? Um, uh, it was a decent enough goal, but other than that, uh, it'll be tough, stuffy, and it'll be an odd goal. Either a one nil or a or a two one. I don't I don't know if if Cosgo's playing playing, uh, they might end up with ten men. I doubt it though. But uh, I'm a bit worried about picking up bookings and uh, suspensions and stuff in that game more than anything. But if we start bright enough, uh, Aberdeen will blow them away. I, I I think we've got every reason to go up there and be optimistic. I mean, I know it's always a sort of a treacherous place to go. Obviously, there's no love loss between the two. Yeah, the, the, there's no love loss between the two clubs. They always, no matter how shite a team they have at, at any particular time in their history, they always up it against us. You know that that makes yeah. their season. Uh, so yeah, I've got there with a sense of trepidation, but I think <clears throat> I think in terms of you know Rangers teams that went up there in recent years, we've got more reasons uh, than than for a few years now to be positive about it and think you know what we can go up there and uh, get a result and that would really set us up for Sunday you know if we went up to Aberdeen and got a victory 
and then set us up for the big one next Sunday, the League Cup final. Uh, and for knee injuries and knee suspensions and and red cars and stuff, that's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, and it'll be a, I think it'll be a tight win. I mean, it'd be nice to go up there. They're due a hammer now for us, to be honest with you. Although we gave them one at Ibrox, um, yeah, they're due another one. They're due a proper hammer at him. Um, and what about next week, Graham? How are you feeling about that? The big one, Betfred Cup final, Rangers Celtic. Um, if we play like anything like what we did at Ibrox, then that's a foregone conclusion as far as I'm concerned. But if we play the way we we, we can play, and Ryan Kent's on fire, then they're in for a terrible afternoon of it. Uh, it could be because our defensive rotten, by the way. Uh, I think it could be two, three, nothing. But then they're always da- they're always Oof. dangerous. That's an optimist optimistic prediction. That two, three, Mate, they are due a spanking after us. <laughs> Same as yeah. Aberdeen away from home, Aberdeen away from home, and Celtic anywhere are due a good spanking after us. It's uh, I, I mean, Hopefully one I, of these days we'll it'll all come together and it'll happen. It'll happen. I, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of look next week as. A bit of a free hit for Rangers. I think all the pressures on. Celtic. It is, aye. All the you know pressure. I mean? So Celtic, you're right. That's I, why I, I think I, if we play it the right way and we play expansive attacking football on the break or whatever, then aye, we could we could score a fair few goals against them. It's uh, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take a one on. You know, I mean, I think I think we have to be wary that you know. I have to take any, but. I mean, in terms of stuffing them, I would obviously take it, but I'm, I'm not sure that will happen. But I, I think there's a, a real chance that, you know, they'll feel all the pressure, you know, because they've won nine out of the last nine trophies. The last team to stop them winning a trophy was Rangers. It was us when we beat them in the, the Scottish Cup semi-final in 2016. So I think we can go there really optimistic. I'm still waiting on confirmation for a ticket. So um, there's... There's all that to go away as well as the usual nerves leading up to that to cup final. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm desperate for us to win. Well, I won't be there, but my brother will be there. So, Well, I, I, I mean, I might I'll not be, be there either. I'll be getting minute updates. Tell <laughs> <laughs> you the minute updates. Even though I'll be watching it, I'll be getting minute <laughs> updates. I, I, I think we'll, th- 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 there's one reason why I think we'll do it, and here's why. Right? I think there's an omen in there that is that is linked to the Jairs Night podcast, right? So bear with me. So in 1970, Rangers had was went the Jairs Night podcast on in 1970. Yeah, well, well, you, you were kicking about then, Graham. So <laughs> I was kicking about as well. You're right. <laughs> uh, in 1970, Rangers had went four or five years without winning a trophy, which is similar to us at the moment. Uh, and we met Celtic in the League Cup final, and a 16-year-old Derek Johnson. Famously scored the winner. You know, he he got picked for the he got selected for the game, started the game. Cross came in, got between famously got between Jim Craig and Billy McNeil and headed in, and Rangers ended their trophy drought. And that was in 1970. And next week is episode 70 of the Jazz Net Weekly Podcast. So there you are. So it's fucking happening. <laughs> That's a spurious claim, but we'll take it. It's happening. The stars have aligned. It's all about the number 70. 1970 and episode 70. 
So there they are. So that's see, see see when we win it next week, you can come back and thank me. And see when it see when it's a it's a heater. <laughs> An Alfie heater when he's got be, got between oh, two mate. Celtic defenders and put it in the he'll score at the same end as well. He'll score at the Rangers end. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first, Alfie Heater won nothing. And it's just, it's the nineteen seventy connection. It's a seventy connection. <laughs> But anyway, anyway, right. Anyway, I think I think on that note, it's as good a note as any, I suppose, to 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 call it quits. So so that's all for this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is free. Uh, if if you're wanting to to enjoy the the the, the victory next week in the Betfred Cup final, if we win it, we will have a cup final special show next week. Ross is hosting that. It could be the first episode of the pod yet, but we're all drunk, <laughs> we're all absolutely steaming out our face because it'll be a good night if we win. So get get listening to that. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself onto Jersnet and the forums. There's articles and all that on there. Some great stuff on there at www.jersnet.co.uk. And until next week, bye for now.